You're listening to the One Hope Church Podcast. The following audio is from the weekly gatherings of One Hope Church in Orlando, Florida. We pray that you'll be encouraged and challenged as you listen. Hey, good morning, church. Pastor Justin here. Good to be with you all again. Uh, I just continue to be encouraged that y'all are gathering in groups on a Sunday morning uh, if you're able to. And uh, man, that's just been so cool just to see the church be the church. And so um, what I want to do today is jump back into John 13 uh, to 17, the series that we've been in called Friendship with God. And we're going to pick it up today in John 14 verses 12 to 17. So I would encourage you to go there, follow along in your Bible. Let me just do a quick recap since it's been a couple weeks since we've been in here. And so John 13 to 17 um, is all happening on Jesus's last night alive. Okay, it begins with the uh, Last Supper and the foot washing in John chapter 13. And then Jesus begins his final teaching, his last teaching. And the first thing he says is, here's my commandment, that you love one another. In the first week of the series, we looked at uh, how love is really the end goal. It's how we're going to bear fruit. It's how we're going to proved to be his disciples, and all of John 13 to 17 is unpacking what does this look like. And so the question for me in this whole series has been, if this is the last teaching of Jesus, what is he going to share with his disciples? What's he going to leave them with as their world begins to be turned upside down? What are they going to put their trust and their faith in? How is he going to help them persevere? And so this has implications for us, I, even recently for One Hope, as we are going through a time of uncertainty. Uh, but in your life, maybe um, your world's been turned upside down. Maybe things aren't going as you thought they would. And so this teaching is for us. It's for every follower of Jesus, how to walk with God, how to be a friend of God and enjoy friendship with God. All right. So last time we were together, we looked at John 14, 11, uh, 8 to 11, and Jesus was saying uh, that, that he was God. And he ended on John 14, 11, which I just want to read with you. Um, this is how we ended last time. Uh, he said this, uh, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. That's saying that we are one. And we saw in John 10 that the, that is a declaration to be God. Okay. So Jesus as God um, was sent by God and is God in the flesh, okay? He's in the Father, the Father's in Him. And He says, here's how you can believe, here's how you can trust this. Um, you can believe on the account of um, my words uh, or my works, okay? My words or my works. And then He goes on, uh, and we ended with this last time just very briefly. He just continues his train of thought. It's so fascinating. Uh, and He says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, um, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Okay, so we kind of ended on that last uh, week, and we're going to pick that up today. Let me uh, keep reading with what he says next, because this is all one section. It's all kind of one thought, okay? So it goes on, and he says, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be in you. And so at the very end of the, the last sermon we did, I talked about what is Jesus saying here. And so what I want to do today, this is kind of one section and the Gospel of John, I mean, 13 to 17, you, you could parse it up in a lot of different ways. 
Um, but what I want to do today is I want to hone in on John 14, 12 and ask the question, what does Jesus mean by greater works? Okay, this is the, the question we're going to focus on. And then we're going to look at, well, what does that mean for us? Okay, now, um, next time we're going to come back and we're going to look at what does it mean to pray in the name of Jesus, which is kind of the second part of this text, because the two are connected, these greater works and a life of prayer and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, But today I want to go in and just look at 1412 and ask the question, what does Jesus mean by greater works? Because there are some different opinions. So let's just look at this verse uh, together. And the first thing we notice here Um, These words, truly, truly, is Jesus saying amen and amen. And this is something Jesus said frequently and often in the Gospels. And it means that what I'm saying is true. Pay attention. It's authoritative. It's from God. It's a way of saying, I agree with this. When we say amen, it's saying, I agree with this. And the Gospel of John, it always occurs in pairs. It's always amen, amen. It's always truly, truly. In the other Gospels, it's, it's just one amen, one truly. But in the Gospel of John, as if to underscore his message, it's amen, amen, I say to you. So what he's about to say is really important. And he says, whoever believes in me uh, will do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. And so as I said, this is the question. What does Jesus mean by works, and in what sense are they greater? Now, before we jump into that, we've got to focus in on this word, believes in me. Um, now, the, the, um, the word there, as I've said before, it's the same word in Greek. It's the same word for uh, trusting, for believing, or for having or exercising faith. It's all the same Greek word for steo, okay? To exercise faith, to trust, to believe. So what Jesus is saying here, and notice there's no qualifier. He says, whoever, okay? Whoever believes in me. And the tense there is, it's continuous. It's present tense. It's as if to say, the one who is trusting in me, the one who is believing in me, That's the one, in fact, the Greek there is emphatic, that's the one who will do the works that I have done, okay? So we got to focus on what does that mean to trust Jesus? Trust him for what? Now, later on in the Gospel of John, in John chapter uh, uh, 20, verse 30 and 31, I think it is, uh, John tells us why he wrote the Gospel. It says that you will believe that Jesus is the Christ and the Son of God. Just before this, in 1411, as we saw, Jesus is saying, I am God. That's that's precisely what we need to be trusting in, that Jesus is God and Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Savior. He has saved us from our sins. He died for our sins. He uh, he performed an atoning work on the cross for us to reconcile us for the Father. We've got to believe that is true for us. And we've got to believe that He is God. It It took God to save us and bring us back to God. And the result of that, of trusting in Him, is this friendship with God. Okay, that we've been reconciled to the Father. This is union with Christ. Okay, and we're, and we're going to unpack this. Jesus is going to unpack this at length in the coming verses. But this is important. All this is predicated on trusting Jesus, trusting in Jesus, trusting his words, trusting his works. It's when we do that, then we will do the works that Jesus did. Okay, so we've got to underscore that. Now, to our question, what does Jesus mean by works, okay? And my answer to that is very simple. I think what Jesus means by doing his works is that we are going to do his works, okay? Now, what works are we talking about? And my answer is all the works that Jesus did, okay? Now, 
that that um, not, not everyone believes it. Some some will try to limit this to kind of sharing the gospel and preaching the gospel. That that's what Jesus was talking about here. But when we look to the Gospel of John, that's not how the word works uh, is used all throughout the gospel. And so I think it means uh, yes, preaching the gospel, uh, but also I think it means the works of Jesus, the miraculous works. Of Jesus. Now, let me tell you why I think that, okay? Because this is important. And then we're going to talk about what does that mean for us. So, um, how does John use works, that, that word works, ergon, in uh, the Gospel of John? Well, the first thing we know, and I mentioned this last time, that in the Gospel of John, it, it's famous for being structured around seven signs, or you could call them seven works that Jesus did. So, let me show them to you here. Um, in John chapter 2, he turned water into wine. Okay, that was a miracle. It was a nature miracle. Uh, John chapter 4, he healed an official son that was near death. Okay, John chapter 5, he heals a lame man who's been lame for, I think it's 38 years. John chapter 6, he feeds 5,000 people. Okay, uh, John chapter 6 again, he walks on water. John chapter 9, he heals a blind man. And John chapter 11, he raises Lazarus uh, from the dead. So, let me... Um, Let's just focus in on, on one of those. John uh, chapter 9. Let me see if I can um, pull that up here. Uh, John chapter 9. Okay, let's look at this. Uh, this is just one place where he uses work, but it's, it's illustrative. It's good. Okay. As he passed by Jesus, he saw a blind man from birth, and the disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So the disciples, they, they want to have a theological discussion about the cause of this man's blindness. Uh, so often we get caught up in some theological discussions rather than the power of God and what he's about to do. What does Jesus say? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the what? The works of God might be displayed in him. So what is Jesus talking about here? Well, he's about to heal this man of his blindness. And if you follow um, the story in John chapter 9, there's all this controversy from the religious leaders and from this man's parents, like, you know, what happened? How did he get healed? Who, who is this Jesus? Um, and, and the point is that this was a miraculous work. Jesus healed a blind man. In fact, it says, has anybody ever heard of anyone healing someone born blind? Okay, so this, these are the kinds of works that Jesus is talking about. And um, as you look, again, all those, the seven signs that we looked at, um, these are all over the gospel. And so when Jesus says, you're going to do the works that I do, I think he means you're going to do the works that, that I do, all of the works that I do. Okay, but let me keep going, because it's not just in the gospel of John. If we look at the other gospels, um, the, uh, the, we, we spent a bunch of time in uh, the gospel of Mark um, last year, Okay. And when we did that, we, what do we see? We saw that Jesus was bringing the kingdom of God, right? That's one of the first things he says. Let's look at this. Mark 1.15, Jesus came, the kingdom of God is at hand, okay? And when Jesus came, he began something. He began an invasion of the kingdom of darkness, as it says, okay? And so um, how did Jesus bring the kingdom of God? Well, he called people to what? Believe, uh, repent, and believe the gospel, the gospel of the kingdom. And so we looked at this, and we saw that the way that Jesus brought the kingdom was really two ways. He declared the kingdom, and he demonstrated the kingdom. He declared the, the, the kingdom of God through the preaching and teaching. And then he demonstrated the power and the presence of the kingdom of God by all the miraculous works he did. And as you read the gospel accounts, and I would encourage you to do this, they almost always go together. 
Proclamation, demonstration. Demonstration, proclamation. Same thing as you get into the book of Acts. Okay, So these two go together. So Jesus was bringing the message of the gospel of the kingdom. Now, what we always uh, have to be careful of, and I'll, and I'll come back to this, is that the greatest work that Jesus did was achieving salvation for sinners. Okay, The atoning death, uh, uh, reconciling uh, men and women to God the Father. Okay, Going to the cross, resurrection, that was the greatest work. All these other works that Jesus did were, were pointing to the reality of the kingdom and reconciliation to God the Father. Okay, Now we'll come back to that. But what I want to show you here is looking at the pattern. Okay, Jesus brings the kingdom. He's declaring and demonstrating the kingdom. And then in um, the other gospel, so Jude, uh, Luke chapter 9, Jesus uh, commissions and sends out the 12. And what do they go do? Preach the gospel, heal the sick, drive out demons. The same thing Jesus did. Uh, Luke chapter 10, same thing. Sends out the 72. What do they do? Heal the sick, drive out demons, preach the gospel. Okay? Acts. We get to the book of Acts. Okay? Jesus ascends. Okay? He promises the Holy Spirit. He says, you're going to be my witnesses. Okay? Acts chapter 2. Holy Spirit comes. Peter preaches a sermon. Thousands of people are saved. And then we start seeing miraculous works through the book of Acts. You can read it. People healing. Not just the apostles, disciples, Stephen, for example, Philip, okay? Miraculous works. And so we see this pattern set out. And we see that what Jesus is saying in John 14, 12, you're going to do the works. If you're trusting in me, you're going to do the works that I do. We see that played out in the life of the early church. And to be honest, we see it played out in the church today. I see it played out in all over uh, parts of the world today. And I'm gonna, uh, I'll share a little bit of that uh, in a little bit here. Uh, one more thing I want to look at uh, that just bears witness to this, and it's the book, uh, 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 the letter to the Corinthians, okay, the epistles. So Paul's writing to the New Testament church, okay, the church is in existence in the book of Acts. And when we look at um, his description here in 1 Corinthians 12, we see that it lines up quite well with the same thing Jesus is saying. Let me read it to you. Okay, to each one is given a manifestation of the Spirit. Okay, that's the Holy Spirit uh, for the common good. For the one is given through, a, uh, sorry, for to one is given uh, through the Spirit, the utterance of wisdom, and to another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. Okay, Holy Spirit. To another, faith. Okay, trust by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing. Okay, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, listen to this, working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, uh, the ability to distinguish spirits. And it goes on, tongues and interpretation of tongues. And then he uh, concludes here in verse 11, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, the Holy Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Now we connect that to 14, 12, John 14, 12 to 17, because he says, you're trusting in Jesus. You're going to do the works that I do. And by the way, uh, if, you, um, if you follow my commands, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And so now we start to see all the pieces coming together. Okay? So my conclusion, what does Jesus mean by doing the works that I do? He means all the works that Jesus did. Proclamation of the kingdom of God, the atoning sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, the resurrection from the dead, and the gospel of the kingdom, demonstrating the power of God in our lives. Okay? Now, one quick comment before we go on. In what sense are they greater? And my answer is pretty simple. and I, Most commentators agree. Greater in the sense that the scope will be wider. Okay? Not just one man filled with the Spirit, but today millions of believers filled with the Spirit, uh, proclaiming and demonstrating the kingdom of God. 
Furthermore, greater in the sense that we're now in a new age. It's called the eschaton. After Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came and is empowering believers in a new way, that we're literally the body of Christ, the presence of Christ through the Holy Spirit on the earth today, advancing the kingdom, doing the same mission that Jesus did. So, um, what does this mean then? Why is this important to us? Why am I driving this um, home so hard? And here's the reason is, if Jesus said that we're going to do the works um, that he did, then the question is, are we? If Jesus said that we're going to do the works that he did and greater works, then the question is, are we seeing the life of Jesus play out in our lives? And I would say, by and large, in the Western church, in the American church, um, some of that is happening, Okay. But I just I think what this means is that there's more for us. Okay, there's more for believers in Jesus, followers in Jesus, that we're called to proclaim uh, and demonstrate the kingdom of God. We're to preach the gospel and we're to demonstrate the power of the kingdom. It means we should expect God to move in powerful ways. And so, well, how, how do we do that? What does that what does that actually look like? Good uh, question. And my answer is three things here. The cross, the Holy Spirit, and prayer. And we could sum those up in what we've just called this friendship with God. Okay? The cross. So the first thing that we have to remember is the gospel, right? Being reconciled to God the Father. So we see this right here. You're going to do greater works. Why? Because I am going to the Father. How does he get to the Father? He's got to go through the cross, the death and resurrection. And as he goes to the Father, as he ascends to the Father... Um, he reconciles us to God. And so we have this, this union with Christ through the Holy Spirit, right? In fact, in John 16, 7, it's what he says. It's better uh, that I go. If I don't go away, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come. But if I go, I will send him to you. See, this is all connected. Jesus has to go to the cross, die for our sin, resurrect to give us a, a new life and a new heart and a new power, to send his Holy Spirit, as Ephesians 1 says, to seal us with salvation and to live spirit-filled lives. And that's our connection to God the Father. And it's through that connection that we can do the works of Jesus. Which is where he goes next, okay, just to, to touch on 14, 13 to 15, okay? Whatever you ask in my name, I will do that the Father may be glorified. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Okay, we call that prayer. Okay, we're going to come back to this next time and really unpack what does that mean. Um, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Okay, that's friendship. Okay, we're obeying the Lord. He's our Lord and Savior. And I will ask the Father and he'll give you another helper to be with you forever, the Holy Spirit. Okay, look at this last part. For he dwells with you, okay, but he will be in you. Okay, and that's the key point. I'm just kind of showing you where that's at. In Scripture, our connection to God, our, uh, our, our connection to the, to the Trinity itself is through the Holy Spirit living in us. And that's how we pray, and that's how we do the works of Jesus. Not by our power, but by virtue of our friendship with God, our union with Christ, our intimacy with Him in our prayer life, um, and in our community as a church, and, and our time in the Word. And so let me just close with this. What does this mean for us? As I said, it means that there's more for us. That God has so much more for us. It's the gospel of the kingdom. And it's centered on the death of a king in our place. But he's bringing the kingdom with us. And so there's a call for us to, to live out this proclamation and demonstration. It means we can pray for the sick. 
It means we can drive out demons. It means we have authority in the name of Jesus, which has implications for all of our relationships. Parents, it has implications for your family and how you pray for your family and believing that Jesus can move in powerful ways. And I'm convinced that the more we, the, the, the more secular that our culture goes, the more that the supernatural works of God are just going to be necessary to prove that God is real, that no amount of human ingenuity or knowledge or scientific advance is going to thwart God's power and God's will. And, and the truth is we see this all over the world today, specifically on frontier missions, that God is showing up in miraculous ways. In fact, there's a book, um, Jerry Trousdale's book, uh, Miraculous Movements, is documents some of the amazing things happening in the world today. Muslims coming to faith through dreams and visions, people being raised from the dead, healings, all kinds of things. It's happening. It's the kingdom of God. And I'm convinced that it's available to us. The question is, why not here? We have the same mission to advance the kingdom. And so here's the call for us. Number one, to abide. And we'll see this uh, throughout the teaching. We, we have to abide in Jesus, okay? Abide in his word. Memorize his word. I encourage you to memorize John 14 to 16. It's so powerful. We've got to be in the word of God. Number two, we got to ask, okay? That's prayer. James says we don't get because we don't ask. So we got to talk to God. we got to ask him. we got to pray for him to do things. And then number three, we got to act on it. When God... Uh, moves us or gives us an impression or, or tells us to do something, now our, our call is to be obedient and to go and do that. And maybe that's something, something as simple as praying for the sick or sharing the gospel or doing something kind or doing something loving or just pausing and praying for a moment and remembering that God is with us. God is here. God has loved us. And so that's what I want us to call to. And right now, if you're uh, joining us, uh, if you're in a group here on a Sunday morning or even if you're listening to this later, I want to ask you to do something that, that maybe is uncomfortable. I don't know. We did it on uh, our prayer night on Thursday. Uh, I would just love for you guys to, to take a risk, okay, and pray for anyone uh, in your group that needs healing. Okay, that could be physical healing for something. It could be uh, emotional. It could be spiritual. Uh, it could be anything. But just take a moment and pray for one another. And so you're going to be courageous. If there's something you need healing for, to say, hey, I could use healing for this. We've got to ask God to do things. And then those around you, just lay your hands on them and pray and just ask God to heal by the power of the Holy Spirit. And let's see what He does, okay? Let's trust in His goodness. Let's trust in Jesus. Let's begin to see Him do the works that He did and unleash something in and through one hope that will advance the kingdom and ignite just a sense of passion and and revival for what God wants to do. All right? So um, let me pray for us, and uh, we'll be done for today. God, I thank you for uh, the church. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for this teaching as uh, amazing as it is, and it really is uh, amazing, Lord. And so, God, we thank you, and I pray right now for healing, for anyone that needs any kind of healing, Lord. James says that we should pray for healing, and so we're asking, Lord. We ask that you would move in powerful ways. ask that you would ignite a fire and a passion in and through one hope, Lord, that you would unleash something here and now, did you call us to something greater? We love you, Lord. We, we pray all this in your name, Jesus, and by your spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to the One Hope Church podcast. We encourage you to share what you've heard in conversation with family, friends, classmates, and coworkers. To connect with us or learn more, visit wehaveonehope.com.